This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a post-Christmas episode of Poetry in Motion on the podcast. How are you all? I hope uh, wherever you're listening to this, walking off a... Another load of beer, probably, or too much chocolate, maybe walking across the fields with the dogs or whatever you're doing. Uh, welcome. Thank you once again. I hope your Christmas was fantastic. I hope you had too much, drank too much, undid your top button and watched uh, World's Strongest Man. That's part of the contract. Um, I'm joined by two of our own heavyweights, two of our own strongest men uh, when it comes to Liverpool Football Club and having a chat about them and what's going right and what's going wrong. First of all, Tom Greaves is with us. How are you, Tom? Very good, thank you very much. Good man. man. Did you have a good Christmas, sir? I did indeed. Loads of drinking, eating, sleeping, all the usual. All the usual, apart apart from the sleeping, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. all the other stuff, yeah. Uh, Dan Kay, how are you, my friend? How was your Christmas? Not too bad at all, yeah. Pretty much the same as, you know, indulging where necessary. I was hoping it would be, uh, there'd be some nice football to enjoy. And obviously we got robbed of our Boxing Day game. And uh, the other one, as I'm sure we'll get on to, did not exactly pass muster. But... You know, you win some, you lose some, and hopefully uh, we'll start the new year in the right way on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a fair amount of doom and gloom kicking about. I mean, I have to keep grabbing my kids and going, calm down, it's okay. It's only half the league. You know, the patience of youth uh, when it comes to uh, to, to, to watching Liverpool in the league. Um, you know, we've come out of a very, very heavy... We talked about it before we, we, we went into this festive period, Dan. You know... Um, 10 games, nine games, whatever it was, before we get to Chelsea. Chelsea's the 10th game, I think. So we had basically nine games in in the December period. Um, we've come out of it with a draw and defeat. We've lost five points, basically, you could say. But could have been a lot worse, mate. I mean, it was a heavy fixture. Um, some tricky games out there. We even managed to secure an unbeaten Champions League um, progression in, uh, mm. uh, to boot uh, with a victory over Milan. But, um, you know, the Tottenham game, uh, I've, I've never been so angry after a football match. Paul Tini uh, refereed an, an absolute shambolic uh, refereeing performance. Disgusting one that should be looked at, one that should be... And, you know, back in the days, uh, referees were, 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 were put down the league for, 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 mm. for better performances than that. It was absolutely shambolic. Nevertheless, we get to, we get to the Boxing Day one postponed as you rightly say and then of course we'll get on to the Leicester game now um, tricky to sum it up really mate it was a bit of a smashing grab wasn't it I mean you've got to say Leicester were very very good very disciplined at the back considering they had so many um, changes in position because obviously of the current situation with Covid and games that they just played a couple of days before but they were up for it to a man but you have to say when you front three all put in a, a below par performance you, you can't expect anything more Dan no, it was very much one of those days, wasn't it? You know, it's, I'm still really trying to get my head around it. It's one of the most infuriating defeats we've had in a long, long time because of what happened on the pitch and off the pitch, really. You know, I think one of the reasons we all you know, got so much enjoyment out of that League Cup win about uh, against Leicester was because of the obnoxious behaviour of some of, their, some of their fans in the away end. And obviously that was a, a similar theme on uh, Tuesday night as well. So... But you know, in terms of the game itself, you know, we've we probably have played worse than that and won games. And, you know, the chances we had, the possession we had, you know, going into it, particularly with us having had the rest and Leicester having played City forty-eight hours before and taking what was in the end a heavy beating, I felt 
very confident that we go there and do a job on them. But it's not the first time that we've seen that, you know, obviously Klopp, in my view, quite rightly, has banged on for a long time about, you know, the, the strains on players and the ridiculous fixture programme. And you kind of think, well, you know, a, better, a break should do a score, but it's not the first time we've looked rusty and not quite at it after a break. We seem to be a team that needs rhythm. Um, that being said, the first, you know, moments change matches, don't they? And if Salah's penalty goes in or even the rebound goes in, I've got no doubt in my mind whatsoever we win that game comfortably by a few goals. But it's amazing how quickly momentum in a football match can change. And even before half-time, you just felt we dropped off here. We've given them a little bit of a way back in. And the crowd got into it. Their crowd got into it. And all of a sudden, whereas even in the first 20 minutes, we look reasonably confident and composed in what we're doing. Very quickly, that becomes things become rushed and nervy and hesitant. And, you know, in spite of the possession, in spite of the chances that we had, it wasn't one of those games when you come out there feeling we, we was robbed. You know, I, I don't think we did. You can argue, you know, maybe we were unfortunate to lose the game. They've scored, they've scored with their only shot on target. But we weren't good enough on, on the day. And I think the problem, you know, it's only, only the second defeat of the season, like you say, 50, it's the halfway point. Ordinarily, only two defeats in the first 19. You'd be thinking, you know, like we're, we're well placed there. The problem is, obviously, City have set the bar so high. And, they've, you know, the, the, there's a danger now that they could be 12 points clear before we play again on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that's a terrifying prospect, isn't it? And you, you, they are. To think that City are doing this really without a recognised striker just sums up the kind of team that they are. I mean, we, we've long since moaned about, you know, the the power and the strength of their squad, and and it, it's coming to bear at the moment. I mean, I remember a couple of seasons ago when we lost out to City. Do you remember Dan? We played a, a team at Anfield after we were flying, and there was a bit. I don't. Know, it was an international break, but we had about three or four games off. I think Liverpool went away for a, for a week, came back, and we played Leicester. Um, at Anfield, I think it was. I took the lead with mm. a money goal, and um, and of course, Harry Maguire equalised one one. Yeah, with a one one. So they've they've stabbed us in the back before in in, in some respects. But uh, Tom, very much like Dan says, really, um, Salah gets that goal, and it was something about the fact that even the rebound he headed onto the post, and he thought, "Here we go, it's going to be one of them days yeah. again." But there's always a feeling of inevitability, and Liverpool were slaughtering them. I mean, it was that 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 relentless. Vibe was going again, and that word was getting bandied around uh, the yeah. The first oh. ten, you just couldn't hear a peep out of their fans, could you? And, and I just thought it just seemed like it was going to be another routine routine day for Liverpool. I think it, it's strange. It's a strange one, really, because their fans recently there's been quite a bit of needle between the two sets of supporters, Liverpool and Leicester, and it seems like it's just come from nowhere, really. Um, so going into the game, I thought, right, I really want to stick the boots in here, especially after the other day. Um, the three-three, and then on the pens, probably a bit of revenge from their side that they wanted. Um, and I just thought we could really kick on, not even just for the league, just because of the way their fans all acted. Um, but as, as you say, yeah, if we score that pen, it's a totally different game. Their fans aren't even up for it in the first ten. They they were accepting defeat, especially because he just got six put put past them by City the other day. Um, I, I I think some of the substitutions throughout the game as well. I don't. I think when you're chasing the results. James bringing James Miller on. Look, I think Miller's been fantastic for us over the last couple of years, and I'm not saying that he won't be fantastic in the future because I think to, he's the type of player that you want to bring on to shore up a game if you if you lead them one or two nil. I think bringing him on when you're chasing a game, especially taking Fabinho off, just for for what 
Milner brings in as well just isn't really right. And, you know, I hate to criticise Klopp because he's a genius, isn't he? But when that happened, because I love I love Fabinho so much, especially with that Thiago in the, in the midfield as well, those two. Um, I, I saw a stat as well saying, obviously, Thiago didn't play, did he? He was out, but we've won 100% of the games that Thiago started and we've won 36% of the games when Thiago doesn't start. So it's like, I'm not sure where that's all comes or where that's just in the Premier League, but I just think those two midfield are so vital to our success. And I know, you know, Fabinho probably wasn't up to speed because he's just been out with COVID, but, um, you know, just getting the balance in the midfield, right? And being able to overrun them and get the ball to the strikers. I just think that they just add too much for us. They put, they put like six in the back line and, Soon, and when they scored, it was just the same. We just never looked like creating a threat going breaking through their lines. Yeah, it's a tricky one for being because we were all shocked. But then it, there's another factor into that as well as that. I think he's one yellow away from a ban. Um, and, and he'd have missed Chelsea if he got booked. Yeah, he'd have missed Chelsea if he got booked. Right. So that, I, I honestly don't think that um, Jurgen Klopp takes Fabinho off for anything other than a serious reason because he knows how powerful and how important he is to the Liverpool team. Um, you, but you're absolutely right. Dan, another thing that frustrated me, and 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 it's frustrating because it's an enigmatic season yet again from him, is Sadio Mane misses a chance there that that that, that would have put the game to bed or certainly would have, would, would have reaffirmed our position in control of the game. I mean, that's the kind of game ball that he would, he would mop them up, you know, with both feet. It, there's just something not right with Manny, is that it's that it's that strange thing where everything he's doing off the ball is great. He's still as sharp as he was. He still links with Robertson when he's playing, and to because he links that left side really well. In front of goal, he's, he seems to have his boots on the wrong feet. There's something really drastically wrong uh, with Sadio Manny. He was even sort of getting in the way of Jota. Um, mm. he, he jumped in the way of a Jota header. We all know how good Jota is in the air. He took it off his head, really, knocked it past the post. Yeah. It was a really uh, disappointing performance, I think, from the front three three in general. But Manny, again, was poor, wasn't he, Dan? He's not at his best at the minute. He is in a bit of a goal-scoring drought. I think that's eight games without a goal for him now. Um, and, you know, obviously, the, the penalty was a big moment in the match, but it was 15 minutes in. And I remember saying to him, well, we've still got 75 minutes to sort this. But the, the, man, the big Manny chance at the start of the second half, which I think was only a few minutes before they scored, that really felt that really felt like the you know the the really significant key moment in the match. Certainly looking back with hindsight, and it was the kind of chance ordinarily you'd expect him to put into the back of the net with his eyes closed. Jota plays him in. His first touch is decent. He's bearing down on goal, and all it needs is just to slot it either side. He tries to go above Schmeichel and obviously doesn't keep it down. And and you could tell from his face that you know he, he knew it was a he knew it was a bad miss. And particularly, I remember seeing a picture of him after the game, and I think the it was probably maybe hitting home to him then just how costly that had proven to be. Um, you know, it, I still think he's a really important player for us. You know, he, no matter how lousy his form might be, he never stops showing for the ball. He never stops trying to take people on. You know, his, his desire is and his will to win. I think sometimes he's trying too hard to I think he puts a lot, he seems like the kind of character that puts a lot of pressure on himself to succeed. And when it's not happening for him, I think that maybe kind of weighs him down quite heavily. And, you know, obviously, after Sunday, we're going to be without him for a few weeks because he and the other African lads are off to the uh, off to Cameroon for, for this AFCON, aren't they? So, uh, you know, I'm hoping maybe a change of scenery, a change of break, a little bit of a, you know, 
different kind of dynamic for him for a couple of weeks will return into him refreshed because there's you know like you know potentially twelve points clear on you know on on Sunday, but it's a long season with three points for a win. Big gaps can become little gaps quite shortly. Now, obviously, we're going to need City to drop some points, but they have dropped points this season. Let's not forget they lost to Tottenham on the opening day of the season, which was you know, and, and this was a Tottenham under you know, under a new manager who was about to get the sack a few a few weeks later. They've lost their home to Palace, so I think it's important that we don't. And I'm sure this is what Klopp and his team will be preaching to his players. Yeah, it was disappointing. It was poor. We need to do better in all aspects, but don't let one bad day at the office wipe out a lot of the good work that's gone in during this this year not just this season this year it's been a very difficult calendar year for all of us and particularly for the footballers playing in these circumstances you know they sat there obviously had a dreadful start to the, to the calendar year in january february but booked their ideas up and got themselves into that top four and in you know in a, before we had petro dollar funded clubs like man city We'd be in. We'd be absolutely buzzing with with where we are now. The points tally after nineteen games. It's just because we're not living in in an ordinary environment. So, I think it's it's really important that they clear their heads, get themselves right for Chelsea. Don't get a result there, and just just kick on and see what happens. You know, they've never. You know, one thing our team and our city is good at is not is not throwing the towel in. And I think it's really important that people keep that at the forefront of their minds at the moment and not just get too down and hearty with it all. Yeah, I would second all of that, mate. We have to really understand just how good this Liverpool side is, how much they've given us, mm. how much they will continue to give us as fans. And just get behind them and just make sure that... I mean, don't forget, we've got a game in hand on City. If we win that, it's only six again. Uh, if we win that game in hand, if we win uh, against Chelsea, we go two ahead of them with a game in hand. There could be five ahead of them. You know, like you say, these things can switch around and will, I guarantee you, switch around. We're halfway through a season, really. I overheard a conversation in the pub, Tom, that, it, that it's quite interesting to, to sort of devil's advocate and put it forward. And anyone listening to this, don't forget, we're only putting our opinions up and ideas and suggestions. So if you if you disagree with them, that's just as good. Um, but there was a, there was a, 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 someone was, I overheard someone talking and I got into the conversation with them where they were saying, against teams like Chelsea, you have a very strong midfield. Um, would it be wise for Liverpool to perhaps change formation and go four four two? Drop either Jota or or Mane, uh, and have two up front and have a midfield of Fabinho, Henderson, um, Thiago, and Cater. I mean, that's a mouth and water in midfield, isn't it? Is that too much of a change for Liverpool? I'll ask you in the sec down as well. But it would be a very very strong midfield. It would also contain at least two players who can change a game from outside the box. Uh, which is sometimes what Liverpool fall flat on when we're trying to dribble the ball into the back of the net. When sometimes looking up and belting one like Trent did not long ago, um, it can sometimes nick you three points. We used to have it all the time with Coutinho, but of course he's not here now. Would a change in 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 in, in formation help, Tom, or is that just a bridge too far? I mean, it's definitely something I'd like to see, just for the sake of the experiment of it, just to see how we got on. Uh, I think maybe in, in a bigger game as Chelsea, it's probably too much of a risk for class to do changing that much but I think that four you named and, and certainly Firmino as well I think Firmino is the type of player that could definitely play a role in midfield you know, he's, he's good at tackling opposition players getting the ball back and like spraying it out to Salah and Manny so I think seeing it is definitely mouthwatering to see that um, I, I just think up to this point now it, it was potentially a good thing that we didn't get the Leeds game. Obviously, we were all devoured because we couldn't go and whatever. But I think 
having the little break that Jürgen wanted probably kind of worked well, but you can see how it would have worked against us. Um, just because the, all this Liverpool team needs is just rhythm, just keep going, just keep going, playing two games a week, uh, one midweek, one at the weekend, and, and maybe, you know, changing it up into like a 4-4-2 could be something that we'd look at doing for maybe Arsenal in the League Cup. I know it's it's a huge game because it's a semi-final, everyone wants to win it, but I think it, just going into that game, no matter what formation or team we play, I think we've got too much for them, haven't we? Yeah, I think so. Dan, I, mean, I don't know whether you th- what you think about the old 4-4-2 thing. I noticed when Keita came on tonight, he made an immediate impact when he came on in the uh, in the League Cup. It took him a little bit longer, but towards the end of the game the other night, he was he was knocking these lovely balls to feet inside the box, and he was he clearly he clearly the kind of player whose first thought is to get the ball forward. A four-man midfield with with him, Thiago, Fabinho, and uh, Henderson could have for quite a bit of a uh, quite a bit of stick for for the opposing sides, could they? It certainly could potentially. I mean, you know, growing up, four four two was the formation that virtually everybody played every week. But generally, with your four four two, obviously, there's an exception. You know, people often talk about Liverpool's best ever midfield in the late seventies of what was it, Case, Souness, McDermott, Kennedy, and none of them were really kind of what you what you'd call wide players, wingers, flank players. Growing up in the eighties, as I did, with like to Ray Out and John Barnes, Jay Johnson, and all them. I, the four you mentioned there, I'm not sure if if it was going to be a four, it would maybe be more of like a diamond shape. Um, what the, the thing I do like about that in principle, that idea in principle, is it it gives you a possibility of getting your your most informed players on the pitch at the same time, because fantastic that you know that our front three front four are. And I still got, you know, I still believe there's an awful lot of good football and goals and, and and winning football in it for us. Like anybody else, they're going to be subject to the vagaries of form and fitness and whatever. And you know, I, I did read an interesting. Andy Beasley does a lot of stats-based pieces stuff uh, stuff for us. Um, obviously, we, we saw towards the end of the game we had all four forwards on. Uh, you know, the I I thought when Firmino come on, he might replace Jota, but he didn't. And you kind of think, well, with all four forwards on, surely we should blitz everyone. But apparently the numbers show that we're not actually particularly effective with all four on. Just throwing all the attacking players at it doesn't necessarily make you, doesn't it, doesn't necessarily give you a more, a more cutting edge. So I think it's about somehow Klopp finding the right blend, the right balance between the protection that you're always going to need to give a midfield, particularly with the fullbacks that we have, who are always going to bomb on. You've got to make sure that your midfield, there's, a, there's enough responsibility in that midfield to fill in and cover for them as and as when necessary. But um, I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if Klopp does try something like that. Whether it be in the... I think, looking at the fixture of the next couple of weeks, I think if he was going to do it, maybe it'd be more likely in the, the FA Cup game against Shrewsbury rather than a semi-final, which obviously, you know, you're three games from a trophy there. So it would potentially be a bit of a gamble to do it with them, then. But maybe Shrewsbury at home a week Sunday is the time to give it a go. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Everyone's breath's going to be held for, for, for the game at Stamford Bridge. Now, we're looking at lifelines of injuries, perhaps. I mean, I know Rhys James was stretched off last night, so City came off last yeah. night. You've got, uh, I mean, Werner, who's very much a fringe player, I think, with Chelsea now. It hasn't really worked, uh, his, his move, has it, thus far. Um, Thiago Silva... Uh, they say is uh, who's possibly been one of Chelsea's more, m- most influential players this season. You could argue at the grand old age of thirty-seven, or wherever he is. 
Um, so we are potentially looking at some injuries, but that becomes a massive, massive game. We don't play City, let's not forget, till I think it's the seventh from the last game. So we're way down. And we've got half a dozen games left after we play City. Um, so to clone any points back against City is going to take a while anyway. But um, this Chelsea game, Tom, just becomes... I mean, this is so important now. Just just for... It's a six-pointer, but it's for Liverpool stamping um, their authority back on, on second place, isn't it? Yeah, and with with Chelsea dropping points as well as us, it, it just makes it that much bigger because I think if if we both picked up three points the other day going into this game, we kind of both would have been able to have that little bit of gap from City more than we do already. I think City now are just looking like a machine. And, and it's strange as well because... You don't really have an out and out number nine. I know they've got Gabriel Jesus, but he's not he's not like a bagsman, is he? He's not getting like thirty goals a season like like the likes of Salawood. Um so just seeing them kick on and, and, and like the all kinds of players from all over the pitch are chipping and getting goals for them, it's like scary to see really. And if I'm being totally honest, just the squad depth that we've got is good, but whether we can match them, I don't know. So I think if anyone's got a chance out of us in Chelsea, though, I think it's us by a mile. Because I, mm. I just think Chelsea are great, but the last couple of seasons, it's been Liverpool and City hitting 100 points consistently for like the last three years. And uh, I know obviously we had a little wolf last year, but just the muscle memory and all the players, our squad hasn't changed too much. Um, so getting towards the back end of the season, I think the Chelsea players who, who haven't got that experience and going for the title like we have, in these last couple of years, might come to haunt them a little bit. Um, but in terms of the game against Chelsea in a couple of days, um, yeah, they're, they're a great side. And I think if, if we can just if we can just get at them, like you say, pack them midfield, try and work down the middle. I'm not sure what injuries they've got. Reese James, I know that they had a COVID Chilwell. a couple of weeks ago. Chilwell. Yeah. So Ch- 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 well, Ch- Chilwell's got a potential ACL. Chilwell's out for a while. Yeah. Well, both of the fullbacks being up could be a good thing for our wingers, can't it? Um, Absolutely. So, if, if we can just get at them, I, I think people put them up there because they're the closest thing to us in City, but I, I just think we're still quite a way ahead of them. It's a tough ground to get to, though, Dan, isn't it? In a sense, result-wise, I mean, um, you know, we, they've already played, of course, in Anfield at 1-1. Again, really speaking in retrospect, we should have taking three points from, you know, they went down to 10 men, we got a penalty. Mm. And then they just sort of, you know, parked the bus, didn't they? Got behind the ball and and, and nullifies any kind of potential threat that we had, really. And um, Stamford Bridge is a different different prospect. Um, we haven't done too badly there. Did we beat them 2-0 last year in, in Stamford Bridge? We won the last two. We won there the year before as well. Yeah, Trent scored the free kick. Um, it, it, it's not been a happy hunting. I mean, that one two years ago, the, the season we won the league, that was the first time I'd, I'd seen us win there in about 12, 13 visits. It, you know, I, I had you know, not very happy memories of the place at all. Like I said, they, they've won the last two that, and Chelsea are not in great form. I've just been looking at their recent fixtures. They've only, they've only won two out of the last six league games. I think they've drawn three out of the last five. I, you know, I, I didn't really watch their game last night, but I did see Tuchel's interview afterwards and he, he's been getting increasing, increasingly kind of salty and kind of agitated about the fact that they've been having to play all these games when they've, they, they, there was, there was, was it Villa away or what, one, one of the games over just before Christmas, they tried to get it called off because of COVID and they were made to play and they've obviously got COVID in the camp, they've got more and more injuries. So it's it, it maybe not the worst time to play there. 
Um, particularly because obviously you would hope and expect that there's what happened on Tuesday night has left a very sour taste in the mouth of all the Liverpool players. And you, I think you could tell that from the expressions as they came off the pitch, from Klopp's interviews at Klopp's interview afterwards. They know that the the best way to put what happened at Leicester behind them is to go to Chelsea and get a good win. And I think that would just give everybody a, a real nice little kind of infusion of belief and confidence again. Because, you know, even though the Leicester result was a shock, the, the Liverpool hadn't, you know, we've been kind of only just getting over the line. The, the three games before, Wolves, Villa and Newcastle, all were won, but we weren't really entirely convincing in all of them. So, listen, it's understandable. We're in the most intense, hectic period of the seasons with games left, right and centre. These players have been, you know, obviously in the in the COVID bubbles and halfway through an intense season. But there's that old saying, isn't it? You feel tiredless a lot less when you're winning. And hopefully if we can bounce back and, and get to winning ways quickly, that will just kind of put a bit more wind in the sails and kick us on and give us a good January, which we need because I've seen a few people saying, that Ian, Ian Doyle, I think, put in, in one of his reports, we basically ended 2021 as we began it with a limp, one nil defeat away from home, Southampton away, it was Danny Ings' early goal, 2nd or 3rd January last year. And obviously that really was the trigger for that kind of you know catastrophic run of form that basically give the title away. So I think it, they, they will be aware of this Liverpool, Klopp and Linders and all them. And I'm sure they will be doing everything in their power to make sure, listen, this does not happen again. Get back, you know, get back, let's get back on track sharpish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tom, the only, the only, um, the only p- potential caveat for Liverpool against Chelsea really is the, uh, is the return of um, uh, Romelu Lukaku. When he played the other night, he was, he, he, he just, he changed the game. You know, he's a very powerful, very attacking very strong player holds the ball up like a traditional traditional centre forward. Really, um, you know, in the past I think Van Dijk's kind of had the measure of him, but he, he's always a threat, isn't he? And he's always someone that we we desperately need to uh, to keep an eye on if we're if we're going to get a result there. Yeah, since he's came back to the Premier League from Inter, he's looked like a bit of a different animal, hasn't he? I know, I know, he's been out injured a little bit, but um, he's definitely still got that quality, hasn't he? Um, he's he's big fella, Van Dijk. Van Dijk struggled against uh, Tony away at Brentford. Um, same kind of stature, like physically stature player. Um, so yeah, no, there could be a potential hiccup there for Van Dijk. Um, do you think it depends who's alongside him now? If we've got, I, I really like the look of Kanate. I'm a massive fan of Kanate. Uh, so far, I think he, he hasn't put a foot wrong. Really, the, the only times he's ever really been messed up is just because I think the the support around him hasn't been great because he's been getting thrown into games. Like in the league cup or whatever, um, but I've, I think if we have a, if we have Kanate alongside Van Dijk, it shouldn't really be a problem. Um, and I think we we've got enough. Of mid, we should have enough of midfield by that point anyway for for the ball not to even get to Lukaku if that's going to be the plan for us. Um, just try and cut him off in the midfield and keep the ball away from him, and then see where we're at. I'm not sure where Wern is at with his fitness and stuff, but if the, 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 he tends to not play them together, does he really? It's usually one or the other, and he'll bring one mm. up. Um, so I think Werner's injured. I've got a feeling Werner's Werner's carrying the knock. I'm not is really sure, but possibly, yeah. But I can't see Matip losing his place there, though. I think I think that I think that um, yeah. the club depends very much on, on on keeping things as were and not rocking the boat if he doesn't have to. Matip still doing those wonderful kind of clockwork mouse runs, isn't he? Where he looks like someone's <laughs> taking the king in his back. Yeah, and off he goes. I mean, at some point you can see him going, "What do I do now?" Um, 
But he's, uh, I don't know, he's grown as a player for me. He's grown as... He's such a kind of... I mean, you know, you look at the Luckman Golden's there. Listen, that kid's got that kid's got something about him. He's a good player. He takes the ball very, very well. He runs through. He takes a couple of really good touches. And, then that, and, 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 and you know, the, Van Dijk can't go in on him. And neither can matter. Um, there is a vulnerability, you feel, at the back four now, Dan, that we didn't seem to have. We were imperious when we at the back a couple of seasons ago. It does feel like there's just something of a little bit of an edge... To, to the Liverpool back four, or certainly centre two, you would say. But then Trent gets caught a, a lot, doesn't he? And it's it's um, it's tricky. There just seems to be a little bit of vulnerability that wasn't there before, Dan. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I, I do think playing the way we play with such attacking fullbacks, it's risk reward, isn't it? And I think you know, I've long accepted that. Okay, teams are going to get chances against us because if the fullbacks are so are so attacking minded. Inevitably, there's going to be times when you get caught out on the break. Now, obviously, we are, I, I, I could see what Tom was saying before about you know the, the possible problems Van Dyke may have against against Lukaku, and he's a dangerous player, and you, you absolutely can't take it for granted. All I would say is, and I, I did actually think this on on Tuesday. They made a great tackle towards the end of the first half on Vardy when he looked like he was in. He got across and cleared brilliantly. Van Dyke to me looks like he's getting close to back to his top level again, which was always going to take a few months when you've been out for as long as he has with such a serious injury as that. He's not going to just drop back in straight away. I, I think as a whole, the team, you know, the back four, back five hasn't been helped with obviously over the calendar year, there's been so many chops and changes. For that season that we won the league on the back of winning the European Cup, that back five largely had been pretty much unchanged for, for 18 months, two years. So it's maybe understandable why we did look a, a lot more secure then. Obviously, the issues we've had in other parts of the pitch as well, midfield and up front. Liverpool as a team is so interlinked. And I think when, you know, when, every, when every component is working at its best, no one can touch us. But, it, but it, it's, the way we are is kind of dependent on that. And we seen last season, because of the problems we had in defence, the midfield was affected and the, and the attack was affected. So I think the problems we've had in the other parts of the pitch probably have had a little bit of a, uh, an impact on, on how we've looked defensively. However, you know, at worst, that game should have been nil-nil. Alison Beck is the best goalkeeper I've seen play for Liverpool. I'm surprised. And getting back on the coach on, on, on Tuesday night, everyone was saying, not a howler, but near post, should he really be getting beaten by his, his near post like that? I've not really, you know... Most reports I've said, I've read, said he had no chance. It was well struck. It was quite close to him. You know what I mean? He would have done well to get something on it. In some ways, because he set the bar so high, Alisson, it's when when there is any even slight dip off. And obviously, we saw that at Tottenham when he was possibly the best player and then made the mistake that cost us two points. That's the cruelty of the goalkeeper position, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? One mistake can be can cost you everything, whereas in other parts of the pitch, you make to get you out. But I'm not overly concerned about the defence, to be honest. You know, what What I think the biggest problem, as far as I was concerned on Tuesday, we didn't score a goal for the first time in like 35 games. You know, if, if you're only conceding one goal away from home most weeks, you should be at least drawing and winning most of those games. It's not like it's not like we were shipping three or four. So it'll be tough on Chelsea. It'll be tough on Sunday. You know, Chelsea, have, even if they're not at their best and the, the strongest, they've got players you can score goals. But... I don't think we can go there and look, to, and look for a 1-0. I think we've just got to go there, play our game, except the fact that good teams and good players are going to create chances, but back ourselves to do more damage to them than what they're able to do to us. 
Yeah, we've got to hope as well, Dan and Tom. We've got to hope to the front three. Uh, what we've always got away with in the past is of that front three, one of them always seems to pick up the slack. If if Manny's having a, uh, having a bit of a poor one, Salah will pick it up. Jotson will pop in and do it. We just had that unfortunate position on uh, uh, against uh, Leicester um, that no one did. The three of them were poor. I think th the three of them missed chances. They were slow. Um, you know, they, they just didn't get onto it. And, and we've got to hope that that's a bit of an anom anom anomaly uh, rather than something that we see again, because um, because when those three are fired, any one of those three are fired, and we're a match for anyone. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, look, I mean, we're getting round to that time again, aren't we? January transfer window, all the speculation, all the talk. You've got ridiculous stats in Europe, like, you know, Gini Wijnaldum's been put on the transfer list remarkably. There's talk today that um, Shikiri, after just, you know, a handful of games, a dozen games maybe, is being put on the transfer list again. Um, Bakayo Bacar, Saka getting talked about uh, from Liverpool. You hear all these weird and wonderful stories going on. Is there anyone out there, Dan, I'll start with you. Do you is, are you very much a believer if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it? Do you think we've got unfinished business for what we... We didn't replace when Ginny went. How do you feel this January window is going to go? Do you think Liverpool are going to be involved at all? It's so hard to say, isn't it? You know what I mean? I think, you know, generally Liverpool like to do their business behind closed doors. They don't like stuff leaking out. They don't tend to do an awful lot of business in January. Uh, obviously, people have been talking for months about the impact of the African nations and obviously losing three key players for potentially four, five, six weeks. But can you really bring in a player just for, just to cover someone for for a month, I'd, you know, in normal times, let alone COVID times. So I, I don't know how much sense that would make. I, I, I am a believer in freshening things up. Yeah, if it was up to me, I would like to have one new face every window, just to just for a new voice in the dressing room, a new face in the dressing room, keep people on the toes. But we also know as well, Klopp likes a tight a tight knit squad. He doesn't like too many players. He doesn't like having to you know, leave too many players out. But we saw last season, and obviously it's been talked about to the nth degree, how the failure to replace Lovren, fates, the fates decided we'd have all our injuries in that position, and obviously that had a dramatic impact on last season. We've obviously taken a chance with not replacing Wijnaldum this season. We've got ourselves into a reasonable position, like we were really this time last year. We, you know... Although, to be fair, this time last year, the need for defensive central defensive cover was more glaring than what it is in midfield at the moment. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes Liverpool have made in the Klopp era. Not bringing the central defenders in that they did until the end of January rather than at the beginning because the damage that was done in that month was irreparable in terms of, in terms of, the, in terms of the, the title race. So, if I was a betting man, having you know, covered Liverpool as long as I have, I'd say no, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on um anyone coming in. I hope I'm wrong though, even if it's just a loan signing, just to mix things up a little bit. Yeah, I think Klopp doesn't really like to bring in substitutions in January, does he? I know we brought Minamino in two years ago, did we, just before the league win? Um yeah. but apart from that, there hasn't really been much going on. And I think you said before, Dan, that we've had we had the same back five for like uh, a year. And we did. But right now, we've got four top, top, top centre-halves who would arguably get into any centre-back pair in the Premier League. Um, so we're all right there. Simakas is fantastic. I think Nico Williams has kicked on massively recently. Um, so he's a good deputy for Trent. Obviously, Robertson as well is the number one ahead of Simakas. 
Um, but just in terms of backup, I think I think we're all right in defence. Um, I, I like Kelliger. I think Kelliger always looks good. Obviously, at the heroics against Leicester the other week, um, last week even, um, saving the pens. Midfield should be should be all right, really. I'd love, I'd love a genie back. I still can't get my head around the fact that we let genie go. I, I saw Wijnaldum was linked to um, getting a loan to Newcastle, which I thought was a mad one because um, he obviously was there a couple of years ago, wasn't he, before he came to us. Um, but if he hasn't, oh God, if he hasn't kicked on the PSG, I'd have him back in a heartbeat, mate. I think he, he was one of our best players. He could do absolutely everything going forward, defending, just keeping hold of the ball in midfield, like yeah, anything. Uh, his all-round game was just perfect. So, And, and I think the, the reason why it was is obviously because Thiago came in, wasn't it? And he probably wanted to shift Gini on in the window that Thiago came in, but just that midfield of Fabinho, Thiago and Wijnaldum is just mouth-watering, isn't it? Especially with them three up top. Um, but if if anywhere we are lacking a little bit of depth, it probably is up top. I know Jot has been an unbelievable signing. He's getting up there with Salah in the top scores. I think he's just, I think he's third below Vardy, I think. Um, but I think, uh, I like Minamino, but I, I just don't think, he's not he's not the top tier of the, same, of the other four, is he? So uh, maybe maybe having one more attacker. We've been linked to Jonathan David from Lille, um, mm. who looks a good, who looks a good prospect. So maybe getting him in. But as I say, January probably too much going on there for Klopp. Yeah, it is a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, it's always a dodgy window. I know people always throw Louis Suarez at you when you say that, but you know the exceptions to the rule, really, isn't it? It, it, it is a tricky window. Um, I also saw that uh, Coutinho. With a possible, would prefer a loan move to Arsenal if he's going to go anywhere. It's always going to be really sad seeing Coutinho in a different shirt in the Premier. I absolutely love that kid. I think he, he left us owing us nothing. I mean, he was just such a phenomenal player. And there's so many times that Liverpool were, you know, drawing the game, eking out, looking like it was going to lose, be two points dropped, and then he would just produce some wand piece of magic into the top corner. And and I feel that like that's the the one kind of midfield trick that we don't have in our in our armory at the moment. I mean Fabinho can strike a ball, but he seems to be so pegged back with his with the defensive midfield duties that he doesn't really get forward. We saw the goal he scored against City um the year we won the league. The season we won the league was an absolute screamer. The one against Palace as well, of course, behind closed doors that that, that, that got us edge edged us closer to the to the premiership title. Um Trent did it the other day against against Newcastle did he with a thunderbolt into the top corner. Um you know, sometimes I think that's what's lacking for Liverpool when we're putting these balls, especially when you're getting six or seven men in, the, in an opposition box, just, just you know, parking a bus. And then you've got Salah trying to dance his way through. Sometimes it can be that, you know, knock it back and let someone from outside the box. That's why an interesting Thiago, Cater, Fab partnership uh, might be quite interesting because at least one of them can get on the end of a ball. It is an interesting one, isn't it? Interesting. We'll watch... We will watch the uh, the transfer market uh, with with interest. Um, just a quick one, Dan. I know I've mentioned this um, a couple of weeks ago on a pod, something very close to your heart. But of course, Anne uh, is on on Monday. Is it Monday night? It's on, mate. Uh, no, Sunday. S- Sunday, Sunday the second is the, is the first episode, and then uh, three consecutive. It's four part drama. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then there's a, a documentary uh, about her story and the overall. Hillsborough story on, on the Thursday night as well. So it's been getting quite some, you know, quite good previews. Uh, it, it's Maxine Peak 
very well known and very well regarded actress plays and she's done a, a few good interviews basically promoting it and saying you know this is about how ordinary people can make a difference and i think that's a great message for all of us to kind of take into the new year yeah it's an extraordinary story um uh, and for those of you who are not quite sure about Anne Williams's uh, role in, in 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 how the Hillsborough tragedy unfolded basically her son um was was killed there but there was but there was reports that she found out about that he was that he'd asked for her when uh, later on at a time when everyone was supposed to have been um presumed dead and unable to be saved he was he was he spoke to a to a female office police officer and then Anne just did this you know this sort of this pioneering mother who didn't want to let her son down you know, and who wants to get in the way of a mum? Because they are a force of nature, aren't they? And 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 their story is it is remarkable. For those of you, whether you support Liverpool or not, it's a story about a mum. It's a story about an unconditional yeah. love, and um, and something that that's uh, that will resonate right through everyone. It's it's going to be an extraordinary thing. I know I know you're close to it, Dan. So everyone, listen to this. Um, give a look. It's going to be a painful look. It's going to be a hard look, but it's going to be one ultimately of um, of hope and never giving in. It's going to be an extraordinary. Watch uh, Dan Kay, is it not? Exactly. Very well put. Me, You couldn't have put it any, any stronger than that. And the, the, the other thing I'd add as well is that, you know, for some people might think, well, it's, you know, it's how it's 30 odd years ago. You know, what, what relevance does it have to people's lives? Well, it does have relevance to people's lives because one of the big things that comes, particularly towards the end of the documentary, is the need for a Hillsborough law, which, you know, for those who aren't aware of it, is basically making it illegal for public bodies, the police establishments of this country not to tell the truth and um, we're obviously in a situation where you know, people have died from covid there's the grenfell situation the manchester bombing unfortunately a lot a lot of the aspects that caused innocent people to lose their lives and then their families to be basically cut adrift by the legal establishment are still in place in this country so there's a big push which i believe there's going to be some kind of formal announcement about it towards the end of next week that Hillsborough law is something that's many many people in this city and beyond feel very strongly about and hopefully it can be some kind of hopefully some good can come out of this and at least ensure that people don't have to suffer the way that Anne and so many other good people families and survivors have had to do for all these years and still do because it still affects people even now yeah absolutely and it will have an outreach it will have a, 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 an outreaching effect on on many 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 lives not just not just to do with the Hillsborough, but but with any kind of disaster like that, or any kind of situation like that, where 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 uh, people are culpable and being allowed to police themselves, um, so the exactly. so, so so it, it will benefit hopefully uh, the rest of the country and beyond. Can I just, uh, guys, can I just say that quickly on that as well, please? Um, the th you, you mentioned it, Dan. It's obviously the predominantly the, the people who are going to be listening to this are all Liverpool fans, um, but mm. the. the Massive misconception with Hillsborough is that it's a Liverpool thing. Like you, you yeah. see people saying that um, I'm a United fan, but justice for the '96, '97, um, and it's it, it's it's not even like it's got absolutely nothing to do with football. The whole thing it, it could have happened at a concert or anything like that. So it's, I, like I'd urge anyone who's listening to this as well just to share it with anyone. Don't worry about sharing it with any Liverpool fans. Share it with anyone because. It's a story about life. You need to take all your football tribalisms away from this and look at it as, as well it said. is. Very well said. Absolutely. And it has just happened. It happened in America in a festival very, very recently with a rap artist mm -hmm. on stage and people being crushed. It happens every time people don't don't um, don't plan and execute a, 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 a large-scale 
public occasion properly uh, and then beyond and then you know tag and then people. try and cover their backs and then try and cover the backs by tagging it on the yeah. people who, who are the victims of it all right guys uh look the next six games to Liverpool um are of course the big one on Sunday uh Chelsea we then have um the semi-final of the uh, the league cup one of two semi-finals of course the FA's lovely way of getting more money out of people um Arsenal <laughs> away we have we then have the FA Cup Shrewsbury we've got Arsenal again in the second leg uh, of the EFL uh, and then Brentford at home Palace away and then oh what a lovely little fixture we've got there Leicester City at home let's hope we can extract some sort of revenge and also you know the feed the scousers let them know it's Christmas time I don't know whether you've been to Leicester but Jesus you know <laughs> it ain't Santa Pay. that's all I'm saying um, hopefully we can extract a bit of revenge on them just a quick one happy birthday to Steve Mono I know he had his birthday all the best Mono all the best Mono uh, of course Mono very much a part of Ali LaRouge with Peter Houghton and, uh, and the guests that they have on board there, it's another great listen if you want to listen to that. And all of the podcasts under the Blood Red banner. Thanks once again for listening, everyone. Let's keep the faith. This, As I say time and time again, this Liverpool team is is the best I've seen. I, I think I think I can say that now. I mean, I was a... I was a young lad watching the the Dow Gleeson and the Barnes and, and 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 you know the 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 mid to late AC side who were extraordinary. But I still think, regardless of what happens in this league this season, Liverpool are the best side to watch football wise. They are an extraordinary team. Let's get behind them. It's halfway through the season. There are lots of twists and turns still to come before we get to the end of it. Dan Kay, have a wonderful New Year, my friend. And you, mate, all the best. All the best. All I want for New Year is three points. That's all I care about. Tom Greaves, thanks very much, pal. Have a great New Year yourself. You too, boys. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Uh, Plenty of chocolate and plenty of drink for both of you. Uh, And everyone listening to this, thank you for your uh, support all the way through the year as well. Keep listening. Uh, Fingers crossed we get three points on Sunday. Have a fantastic New Year and we'll see you in January. This has been Neil Fitz, Dan Kay and Tom Greaves with uh, Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.